0: we could have you and uh, we sing choruses in our first service so uh, this new one that we have today if you look in the hymnals we pass them out and
1: Jesus saves today and uh, I think we we'll play it through once oh, what you want us to do okay. Yeah. What are you yeah. Let's let's play through one. Okay. <laughs>
0: Or any kind of news uh, besides birthdays, anniversaries, um, important things to come up. One of the most important things to pass them to today is that because of the fires on Maui, which you're probably aware of, uh, we know some people in Mahaina Grace Baptist Church. They were devastated. They lost everything. Some families lost everything, and uh, so we uh, Nathan uh, has a friend there in that church. They lost the house burned to the ground. And if you've seen any videos or pictures of what happened there, it's really, really horrible it's almost like a bad movie that's different because it's real and hollywood can recreate and dramatize things and through uh cgi make things look real but this is real and it's really really devastating so a lot of people are trying to help out and we like to help too so in the bulletin there is a maori relief fund that you can contribute to so the way to do this is the church will write a check with your donations all in one and send it to the right place, and they would, they, they would get every penny of it to help them out with their specific needs. It's a long ordeal to uh, clean up and then rebuild. It's going to take, in cases, years, but uh, they have needs there, and so we like to be a part to help them too. So the church will write a check, and then if you would like to contribute to that, make a church, make a check up to Independent Baptist Church and earmark it, Maori Relief, okay? Then we will separate that from the regular tithes and offerings and then we will send one check to uh, Grace Baptist Church to help them out okay and some of the other folks know friends from Grace Baptist Church too in Lahaina and so it's um, unbelievable is the word to see what has happened so whether you know people or not uh, it's probably a good thing for us to to reach out to help people and in this case we're not helping strangers we're helping people that we do know and uh, so that is an important thing to do that's in the bulletin and then uh, on more pleasant things, on more pleasant things, um, we're gonna ride the rail on Tuesday, about 2.30. From the Aloha Stadium side, I'm Gonna go, uh, the couple, and come back. It's a one-time thing. We're not, we're not committing on the rail. We're not. <laughs> we have our own cars to commute in. But if you'd like to just ride, get the view for one time. Um, our friends from Alaska, they, they did it, and they said, oh, it's real nice. We went back and forth until they got dizzy. <laughs> and so if you'd like to do that, that'll be this coming Tuesday about 2.30. And so we'll meet at the Alon Stadium, uh, I don't know what you call it, mm-hmm. lot, parking lot, um, uh, staging area, whatever. And we'll meet no there. Station. 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 Okay, mm-hmm. and then go down a mm-hmm. and come back and then have lunch somewhere. Okay, so that's the plan. And uh, there's a piece of paper here that I got that Marina printed out. It's officially what is required, how much it costs, things like that. And so it's very reasonable. And so you'd like to try to ride on that just for fun. We used to have a ferry across, you know, Inner Island Valley and that got shut down because of environmental issues. They say might hurt the whales as if whales cannot avoid ships. Anyway, anyway, um, uh, you have to do that. That's available, okay? As far as birthdays are concerned, let's see, uh, David had a birthday yesterday. He turned one. It's been a fast year, and it's really amazing what the Lord has done to keep him healthy in the surgery that he had uh, four months or so after he was born over at Stanford, and now he's just doing very well. It's as if um, he was born normally, no heart problems, and uh, he looks as happy as can be, and thankfully, babies don't remember anything when they grow up. But you see the scar there. And then he'll say, mommy, what is this? And she'll say, well millions of years ago, you (laughs) know. And then Tim, Tim's birthday is on the 15th. Tried to see him the other day, uh, knocked on his door, knocked on three doors, no response. And so left a note on the front door saying, Marshall, Tim, please call, left the the track with the note. Uh, No response. And then I called his number and it is we're not taking any call kind of thing or you have been blocked. Some kind of message like this. I don't know what's going on yet, but do pray for Tim for himself. And then uh, other birthdays, Gia, Hugh's uh, birthday is coming up and Kyla's birthday is coming up. And the anniversary, Arp and Christel coming up too. So congratulations to all of you. All right, let's take our Bible this morning. We're going to study again the book of Exodus. Exodus. The book of Exodus. Nine uh, 9.30 is study time study the bible 10:45 is preaching time i'll be preaching from the book of exodus in some part uh, from from the lesson today but not um, not quite the same it'd be more more focused on a certain part of today's lesson and so that's what's happening the book of exodus book number two in the old testament and the book of exodus is one of the longest books in the bible and yet one of the most informative the most interesting when it comes to what it says and its prophecy and its types and its symbolism all of that is really important and so here's what we do at church we we come to study the bible we come to learn the bible we read the bible and we also want you to take that and go home and throughout your week also read your bible and study your bible and if you have any questions here's what you can do when you read your bible at home on your own if you have any questions there's guys here that would be glad to help you with your questions you can call me, text me, text Nathan, text you, text Francis, and if it's not about music, he won't answer you, but the, he probably could help you too, so a uh, lot of lot of access to getting help to learn your Bible, and uh, I would say this, to, just to encourage you, the most important book to know is not name books that are important to know, and they're not wrong to know. The most important book to know is, besides, uh, I want to get some feedback, what is considered important to know or to learn about as far as books are concerned. Well about American history that's probably important. Books about American history. Books about history in general. Those are important things to know about. Current events, important events throughout history that has shaped what we are today, that's important to know. And uh, books about technical things are important to know. But above all of that would be know the Bible. Because the Bible the Bible addresses the Bible addresses addresses. I'm thinking about a mailbox. The Bible addresses let's see, should I put a flag here? Yes. The Bible addresses it's like mail it comes to you the Bible addresses things about life now life now how to have life now that is worth living it also addresses about life afterwards so the Bible is the most important book to know about because it has material information about life that life is eternal life and also life now so on those two points that's why the bible is the most important book to learn about and to know so throughout throughout the week read and then come to church so you can get taught the bible because there's something that will apply to you and there's something that you need to learn or to remember to help your life now to be the kind of life that is worth living okay do you know that people today live but they're just existing they have no fulfilled life. They have no abundant life. They're just living. Eat, sleep, breathe, work, recreation, whatever. They're, they're okay, but they're not really living a life that God intended them to have because they don't know what God said. And then if you remember that, these two things, it might cause you to put a little more emphasis on knowing the Bible, okay? So I hope you do that. And so right now we're studying the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter one. Chapter 1 of Exodus, we'll try to go through this chapter, and there's 40 chapters here, so it's not possible to go through every verse of every chapter throughout the month of August, or even September, I see it coming, and even the month of October, I see it coming, but I have to try to emphasize certain things that I think would be helpful for you. And so in chapter 1, we'll begin in verse number 1, verses 1 through 7. So I'll read the verses, and if you can follow along your Bible, that'd be very helpful. Exodus chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Now, here's what the Bible says, Now, these are the names of the children of Israel, which came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Verse 5, And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were seventy souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. Now, so far you learned this about the book of Exodus beginning. He mentions people. He mentions individuals. He mentions men, which would involve their families. And then he says, they are souls. Verse 5, And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob. Now, here's what you learned already. Not only are people important to God, individuals are. He mentions them specifically by name. And he calls these people... Not just people. He called them souls in verse number uh, 5. Souls. And the reason they're referred to as souls, all the souls, is because man, well, let me just uh, see, man. Here's man. Here's man. Now, you know who this man is? That's Charlie Brown okay man man is not just the body he says all the souls now physically they came out and they came into Egypt bodies came in to Egypt but he says all the souls that is to remind you that a man and of course we say we say mankind not just men the gender but mankind all men All men have something about them that makes them special and unique from animals. Okay. Now, animals animals. Animals. Here's an animal here. He's a gorilla. Okay. Animals, they have a physical body, but they have something missing from them. They have no spirit, they have no soul. Now they have a soul in the sense that they have life, but when an animal dies, the animal is dead. It is, there's no consciousness with an animal. This morning in my office, my wife walked in, and she said, oh, and she saw something under my desk. It was a roach, but it wasn't moving. I, look, I never noticed it last night. I looked down there, sure enough, there's a big B-52 grounded. It was shot down and he wasn't moving. I looked at the antenna, the antenna was not wiggling. And I said, oh, I never saw that before. I said, give me the fly swatter because I thought it was playing possum. I want to kill it, but it didn't move. Then I got the flashlight, I pushed at it, and it didn't move. It was hollowed out. Before I went on our trip, I smacked the roach on the corner of my desk, and it fell to the ground. I thought I killed it. Then I heard some noise, and and then I realized it was crawling up the wall again. So I wounded it, but it didn't die. But apparently it did, because it was all hollowed out on the inside, and he was dead. Now, that dead cockroach means nothing to me. I'm happy to kill it, to get rid of it. It has no soul, it has no spirit, it has nothing except a body and a little brain. So the souls came out of uh, all those souls that came uh, out of the ones of Jacob were 70 souls that is to emphasize that God sees man differently than man sees man. All man sees when it comes to biology or education or science they see man as a product of evolution. God is not involved. He's just a physical being. And when he dies, he is gone. Now, that is not true. Because the Bible says that these are souls. A soul, a soul has an eternal component to them. A soul lives on eternally. I would express it like this. When a man's body dies, it's dead but the component of a man's spirit and soul lives on forever so he is an eternal being it's like this as long as god lives a man lives because he's got a soul and the spirit that's why it says the bible says that all the souls that came out souls so you are a soul i am a soul we're not just physical beings we're not animals we're not animals okay now some people act like animals which is very unfortunate But we're people with a soul. God made us that way. Now, look at verse number, uh, where am I? Verse number 6. Verse number 6. By the way, let me give you a verse to write down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23, which bears out what I tried to explain. Uh, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole soul of spirit and soul and body. See, so that's the three parts of man. Spirit, soul, and body. Or body, soul, and spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And so we live forever because we are eternal beings created by God. And in verse number 6, And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. So the great-grandson of Abraham, the great-grandson of Abraham, he eventually died because he grew old and he died and Joseph great man God used him to save not only the Egyptians and the Hebrews but the entire world. they came to him for food and you know that story it's a great story and what you learned from the life of Joseph is that Joseph was one individual one man that God used to save a lot of people Now the simple lesson is one man one person can make a big difference one person can make a big difference and you can use all kinds of illustrations and um, stories to prove and to bear out to the truth that one person does make a difference and you might think in your own life some experiences which if it had not been for this person things would be a lot different and then in the world if it wasn't for this scientist, for this person, for this invention, how different would life be? I was thinking just in there, I was talking to Joseph, what is the greatest invention? What is the greatest invention? I just put up my, my dash cover to keep out the sun from the car getting it really boiling hot. And I, we walked away and I said, what is the greatest? And he was thinking seriously, okay, well, the computer, the computer chip, the wheel, things like that, all right? You know what I said to him? The greatest invention of all time is the dash cover. <laughs> it keeps your car cool. I was just kidding. To me, the greatest invention would be dental floss. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever tried to have, no, I have, I've had a lot of work done in my teeth as an adult because as a boy I ate chocolate. No, no, sorry, I ate hard candy. My favorite time of the year, disclosure, full disclosure, the greatest time of the year for me was Christmas because we got candy. We had cheap candy, we had Christmas. Remember the Christmas parties? We had Christmas parties in elementary school. Now it's called winter break. Well, Christmas hard candy in the round can and it's the long ones, the square ones, and they're all hard, got nice red stripes, green stripes. I used to chew on those candies when I was a boy until I fell asleep. My mother mother's come and scold me in Chinese and say, what are you eating? I knew what she was saying. And I was just munching away, crunch, crunch, crunch. I, I I just about destroyed all of my teeth as a boy eating candy. My mother had a solution though. She'd give from the drugstore a little bottle with red stuff in it. I think it had alcohol in it. it, had tweezers and hard round cotton balls. Hard, small. She would take that, dip it, and put it on that cavity. It would feel good because of the alcohol, but it didn't solve my problem. So I had a lot of cavities growing up because of my bad habit of just eating candy and not realizing it was important to brush your teeth every every year. <laughs> and so, uh, there's a reason for that story. What's the reason for that story?
1: The greatest invention. Is oh, the floss. greatest
0: invention is dental floss because I have gaps, and uh, at the top of my tooth, it's tight, but then there's a gap, and so I have to floss. But every time I I eat, chew meat, something like that, it gets between. And I can feel it, I feel it my tongue. And the greatest invention is to have floss to get that stuff I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Some people might say it's electricity, some people might say whatever. Okay, it's all working together. But, but um, <coughs> they all died eventually. One person makes a difference, whether it be an invention, whatever it is. The interesting thing to know today is, is it possible? I'm just thinking, is it possible that even today, God can use one person to do something that's really good? Is it possible? Is it possible for God to use one man, one woman to do something that will benefit one other person or a lot of people? Is that possible? In Joseph's case, the whole world was affected by his life. What was a tragedy it turned out to be a real beneficial, glorious thing in the end. And the interesting thing is this about Joseph. Joseph did not even realize what God was doing to him and with him. Now think of this. His brothers envied him, sold him into uh, Egypt as a slave, got 30 bucks for that. He goes there, he goes into, he goes, um, uh, he he gets promoted. uh, And and you know his story, accused of something very horrible. He was innocent, got thrown in prison by Potiphar and then uh, dreams, he interprets his dreams and pretty soon uh, he gets out and he interprets dreams and tell them what it means and so on and he gets promoted. All during that time, Joseph, there's not a word that says Joseph knew what God was doing with him. He did not realize what God was working on behind the scenes. All you know about Joseph is that he had a good testimony through all of those ordeals, those trials, those false accusations, his brother's envy and hatred toward him. He just went through all of that with a lot of backbone, with a lot of integrity. And he just knew that he was innocent and he just knew somehow God was with him. The Bible said that God was with him. And he went through all of that, not knowing that one day he'd be sitting next to the Pharaoh as the administrator of all of this surplus because of the seven years of good crop. And now the world comes to him. They have to pass by his seat he has to yeah he's the man he did not know that until the very end of genesis in fact turn to genesis chapter 50 this is so interesting i think that god can use one person and god uses people today as well genesis chapter um let's see chapter 50 Genesis chapter 50. And verse number 20. I would like you to see that verse. He's talking to his brothers. I think the second time he says something like this to his brothers. After he reveals himself because now Joseph looks like an Egyptian. He talks like an Egyptian. He's got the makeup on his eyes like an Egyptian. (laughs) You ever see these pictures on the wall how Egyptians look like? He looks like an Egyptian. But uh, in his heart, he is a Hebrew. His brothers don't know, but then he reveals himself. And now in chapter 50, verse number 20, it says, But as for you, the brothers, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto something. But God meant it unto... Would you underline that word? God meant it unto good. God had a plan that he was working out in this one man's life. Unknown to him, yet God knew all along what was gonna happen and how He's gonna work it out. And to Joseph's good credit and good character and good walk with God, he did not rebel against what God was doing to him. He didn't get mad at God, didn't blame him for all of his misfortune or bad luck, supposedly. Did not ever get bitter toward God. He just went through it, believing that somehow this is gonna be good. We don't have that recording. We just have that he walked with God. God was with him. And now he says to his brother, which means seem to say he now understands why he went through everything. And a lot of times it's only after something has happened that's bad, then you know, okay, I see why. I don't understand everything, but I see now that some good can come out of this. And that's Joseph in this verse. You thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save most people i think joseph sitting on that throne number two in command the vice president he sees all the people that are getting food egypt is getting richer because they have to pay for things and he's he's occupying more territory buying up their land if they can't pay for it he's a shrewd businessman egypt is picking up all this property and so none of that he sees that his own brothers and his own father They will live because they have food now because he's on the throne and I don't want to say it just dawned on him like I could have had a Toyota or v V8 or something like that. It dawned on him that God used him. I just want you to know that God can still use one person to do something for someone else or for other people or for perhaps many people. You just don't know. I would tell you that if you go through a hard time, a difficult time, a bad time or a time of questioning of not knowing what's going on or why uh just remember joseph's story and remember that god can use you perhaps in your experience as a matter of fact there's a new testament verse that says god uses your experiences and the god will comfort you through your trials you can then turn and help someone else with their trials because you've gone through that too that's in first corinthians chapter 10 i think and so a lot of good things about bad things but when you go through bad things, it's not fun, is it? not fun at all. All right? Any questions so far? Okay, good. Let's go to the next thing. Look at verse number uh, 7. J- Jacob has uh, enjoyed the latter years of his life because now in Egypt. And uh, he has favor with the Pharaoh. They're in a good land in Goshen. They are just enjoying, quote, the good life. And... It's all because of one man. But the original 12 patriarchs and their children, they die. They die off. And then in verse number 7, And the children of Israel were fruitful, increased abundantly, and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. And so uh, when they left Egypt, or left to come to Egypt, 70 souls. By the time of the Exodus, over 600 men plus wives, plus children. So a lot of people would leave in the Exodus all began with just a handful of people. So they lived in Goshen, the eastern side of the Nile Delta, the the best land, fertile. Not only was the land fertile, the women were fertile. The Hebrew women, they were able to bear children. And a lot of good things were going on at this time for the Hebrews and so in Genesis 47 27 tells us that they multiplied greatly just like in verse number seven and so they grew they had babies the mortality rate was very low uh, people living a long life and so on everything was going on that was very good for them and so they ate well they had good homes good land they had golf courses um, <laughs> They were free from conflict and wars, from attacks from other countries. Life expectancy was very good. Well, no wonder they increased in their population. It all goes together like that. In chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. Let's keep moving in this chapter. Verses 8 through 11. Go back to Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. All is well. Nothing bad is going to happen. Is that life? all is well everything goes well got a good job got a pay raise everybody likes you earn a vacation um everything's great i met a man who was a tesla is a tesla technician he was in hawaii compliments of tesla and so everything was paid for his hotel um he could have gotten a free rental car but he chose to ride uber instead and he was going from um Cool or rest down to North Shore to go to some beach for half an hour and then continue on to the next place to Hollywood uh, to go to a fine restaurant and then he's going back to Waikiki. everything's paid paper by Tesla. Some of the perks. I asked this man, have you met Elon Musk? He said, not yet. Because he's not way up there. And he did say, though, that when Elon Musk comes down, quote, on the floor where people are working things, if people come up to him to greet him and say, hi, mister, you're so wonderful. Oh, you're so wonderful. If that ever happens, this guy says, Elon Musk fires them on the spot because they're wasting a minute or two. And I said, oh, wow, didn't know that. But it says he's a great man. He's very, very busy. He cannot afford to waste a second. Got a lot of time for interviews though, seems like. (laughs) But um, anyway, this guy was, um, he got a pretty good job. And uh, people got into Tesla and it was employed by Tesla. Uh, stock was not so high, but now they're millionaires because of the nature of how things went. And so uh, the Hebrews were eating well. They're living well. Everything is great. And it almost going to be great. Yes. Everything's going to go great because it is great. No. What happens next? Look at verse number eight. Now there arose a new king over Egypt a new king arose over Egypt now this new king was not a king in line like a blood uh, a son kind of situation where it's not passed on like that this is a new king this new king which knew not Joseph so ominous scripture bad things are going to happen after all the good living something bad is going to happen this is kind of like life I mean, don't be pessimistic, but when things happen, uh, don't be thrown off, off course and don't be um, going into a testing because bad things happen. It, it's kind of like the way life is, and you hope that bad things don't happen, but sometimes it does. And in this case, here it comes, this new king. Uh, this new king was not an Egyptian. He came from somewhere else. In Acts chapter 7, uh, I want you to turn to that scripture in the New Testament. Acts chapter 7. Verse 17 Acts seven seventeen. Uh, this king is debated in commentaries. Some people all say the same and some people not sure who he is, where he's from. So I guess it's good to go to the Bible and see what the Bible says about this new king. Acts chapter seven, verse number seventeen. verse 17 of acts chapter 7 but when the time of the promise drew nigh which god had sworn to abraham the people grew and multiplied in egypt verse 18 till till another king arose which knew not joseph well here's the thing that you want to think of if this new king that rose up didn't know joseph how could he have not known about joseph if he was an egyptian everyone would have known about joseph the the savior of the world they should have known about him but this king didn't know about him he must have come from another place we should, didn't have of course you think it back then what 17 1500 BC you, you think about you think about um, communication how slow it was so it's very possible this person is not from Egypt and he's not in Egypt he's from another place and so um, this new king knew not Joseph should have known about him turn to Isaiah one more time Isaiah chapter 52 I should say another verse. Isaiah chapter 52. Bible is the best commentary on trying to explain some things. Isaiah 52. And here's a good verse to help us to see who this new king was. Isaiah 52. And come to verse number 4. Uh, verse 3. 52-3 for thus saith the lord ye have sold yourselves for naught and ye shall be redeemed without money verse four for thus saith the lord god my people went down a fourth time into egypt to sojourn there and the assyrian oppressed them without cause here's a reference about this new king that's not egyptian he's called the assyrian and he oppressed him without cause so whoever he was, some say he was a Texas, Some say this this group people came down from uh, the north uh, northeast and invaded uh, Egypt. And because of their use of of uh, copper, they're able to overcome the Egyptians. Not really sure about everything like that. And uh, just because uh, they had horses and chariots, and uh, you remember that when the Pharaoh drowned in the Red Sea, the horses and chariots also drowned. Well. It seems to say that they were this group of people. But uh, this king came down, did not recognize, did not honor, did not see the history. Which is pretty strange because if you're an Egyptian, you would know the history of oh, your history. And you would know that this man was, you know, but this man didn't know much about Joseph. So he's an outsider. He's not a politician, so to speak. He's an outsider. And so he ruled in Egypt, uh, 18th and 16th, through the 16th century. And who were he and they really were, uh, they're called Assyrians. Now, go back to Exodus chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse number 9. <clears throat> and he, the Pharaoh, the new king, he said unto his people, not unto the Egyptians, but to his people, whoever came down with them, he said to his people, he said to his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more admired than we. Without makes sense because if he, when he came down from wherever he came down from, he probably didn't come down with 600,000 people. Troops didn't come down with that many. So whatever he saw, he says, oh, 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 good night. There's a lot of them over here. And so he began to get suspicious. He began to speculate. He began to worry about what could happen. Wherever they were, they were Assyrian, and they were not as large in number as the Hebrews were. Verse number nine. He's done to his people. The people, the children of Israel, are more mighty than we. And so now he's going to give you two proposals, two proposals to overcome his suspicion <laughs> of, of an uprising. So verse number ten: Come, let us, fellow Assyrians, let us deal wisely with them. And here is his wisdom. Here's how we will deal with these Hebrews, so that they don't multiply even more. And even even we will try to diminish their numbers. Verse number 10 Lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built Pharaoh treasured cities, Pithom and uh, Ramesses. Uh, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Now, that's the first step they took to prevent them from growing even more. We're going to make life hard for them. Hard hard labor. Hard labor. We're going to make it really hard for them to uh, work. We're going to expect a lot out of them. The quotas will make it hard for them to fill the quotas. We're going to make life really miserable for them. And that's how they're going to deal wisely with them. Uh, now, keep reading. Verse number 12. Verse 11 says the taskmasters were appointed, supervisors, foremen, to make life miserable for these servants. And then it says in verse 12, but the more they afflicted them, they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. But look at this, verse number 13. The Hebrews were grieved, and the Egyptians made their children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made, verse 14, they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in an all men of service in the field, all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor ok the first attempt to control the population is to make life miserable and extra, extra hard now you you and I have read stories from World War II or from the Korean War Vietnam War and other kind of wars now, war is horrible and you realize that there's a lot of, lot of Abuse of humanity in wars. Now, the Pharaoh here, he's going to make life miserable. He's going to afflict them. He's going to make life bitter for them with hard bondage. He's going to make them work twice as hard to get the same results. He's making the materials going to be cheap. All Chinese material. It's going to fall apart. You're going to redo everything. He's making life miserable for them. This is his plan. Building projects. By the way, what were the building projects that they were into? You know the first thing people think about are pyramids, but pyramids were already built before this time, so everyone thinks that it wasn't about that, it was just building whatever it was. It doesn't say, so we're left to guess, but probably probably not pyramids. By the way, who built the pyramids? There are about 10 videos you can watch on YouTube and get 10 different viewpoints about how the pyramids were built. It's pretty amazing. Because the base, the square is like 13 square square um, 13 square uh, acres, something like that, square and it come, and at, at the corners, and it's just like off only about one eighth of an inch. It's something unbelievably accurate. It's like someone built it who had a top view looking down. It's pretty interesting. if you want to waste or spend a lot of time trying to figure out who did what, everybody's sure really nobody's sure because there's so much speculation it's interesting however and so uh, the people grow in Canaan and then they get afflicted the suspicious uh, new king and uh, he will do everything possible to make it hard and control the pop this is population control by the way population control this is not a one-child policy 1973 to 2015 kind of thing like in China But it is like population control, but making it hard. All right. Uh, They're afflicted. They're afflicted. Yet they still grow. Here's a good verse to think of. Would you write it down? Isaiah 54, verse number 17. When it comes to the people of God, in this case the Hebrews being afflicted, yet they continue to grow, it's saying whatever Pharaoh tried to do to stop our growth, he failed. and here is here is the verse that says whatever the tactic was not specifically Pharaoh but in general whatever is done to stop the Christian or the Christian church from progressing and from growing and from reaching out into the world it will not work Isaiah 54 17 says this no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn and So the verse is a principle. It tells us whenever someone tries to hurt God's people the Christians Persecution wise it will fail Now you have in the history of the church for a thousand years called the dark ages in Europe and during this time You had Christians persecuted by the state church Rome And they persecuted They killed they hunted in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, persecution took place for Christians. They were sawed asunder, then it was cut in half. They were hunted like animals. Read chapter 11 of Hebrews. And yet, God's people continued to grow. More converts into the kingdom of God because people had a faith that was real. They were serious about their faith. When hardships came, they thought, well, this is just a part of the life of a Christian in this world. They hated Jesus, they're gonna hate me too. But I do wrong, I'm not a lawbreaker, but they're gonna persecute me because they don't let my faith in Christ. And they kept on going, they kept on growing. So the Pharaoh failed because they kept on growing. But that's only the first step he took. There's another step that he took to eradicate, to eliminate the Hebrew population. Come back to Exodus chapter one. The long-term solution came to his mind. This is the wise way in which he would use to control the, the Hebrews. Verse number 15. And the king of Egypt spake unto the Hebrew midwives of which the name of the one was shiprah and the name of the other Pua. Sounds almost Hawaiian. Pua. Verse 16. And he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if a son if it be a son, then ye shall do something to that son. What does the Bible say? They were to do? You can say it. Kill the boy. If it's a boy, if the deliverer of the child is a boy, And oh, by the way, how do they know it's a boy? Well, obviously you know why it's a boy. If it's a girl, you're born male or female. You're born In fact, you are male, female, even before you're delivered. But they didn't know that. They had to wait until the delivery. And if it was a boy, the order was from the government, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. Now, you have here a deliberate, permanent plan to reduce the Hebrew population by killing off baby boys. Therefore, they cannot grow into young men. Therefore, they cannot grow into... Uh, Men who fall in love and marry and then have children. We're gonna we're gonna stop this right now the wise way verse 10 That they would deal with this so-called problem was to kill now. Let me tell you something Isn't it interesting how the solution to a lot of problems in the world is to kill off people? Isn't that something There's talk now and probably it is Probably um, COVID and all that stuff was a part of controlling the population. It's, it's a guess. It's a speculation by many people. Would that be just like the devil to control things by killing off people? Especially, especially the boys. By the way, go back into the New Testament. What happened when Herod the birth of Christ? Yeah. Killed all the baby boys under two years old. Solution to a potential competitor? Kill them. Well, we don't know where he is. Well, kill them all, then make sure. That is devilish. This is devilish. This new king, he is devilish. As a matter of fact, he is a picture of the devil himself. I'll talk about that next time at uh, 1045. And so the long-term solution was very evil, very wicked, killing babies. And I'll tell you this. there's There's another way of calling this killing of babies murder. You call it something else. You have another word for it. Give it a non-offensive name and it's okay don't call it killing babies like the bible says don't call it murder just call it something else give it a medical term that sounds almost generic or it's not so bad now a euphemism is saying something in a softer way so that you tone down the hardness of something euphemism if you said okay today in in our world if we said, okay, uh, if you get pregnant and you don't, you're not married, you're ashamed of the situation that you're in, then uh, you should just go to the doctor and have him kill your baby. You think you think a young girl would say, "Kill my baby"? No, I never kill my baby because it's truthful, it's horrible that you're killing your baby. But if you said, we well, can have abortion," what? Well, it's just it's a fetus, it's not really alive yet. Well, that makes it easier to do. Yeah, that's devilish that's evil for doctors to do it because of the payday and for women to do it and for that, that rotten boyfriend who says okay look I'm sorry this and that rotten guy get rid of that guy get rid of him alright well that's what the Pharaoh said is the long term solution kill the baby boys well uh, you have the hit midwives oh man I gotta quit pretty soon Give me two minutes. Verse 17. Let's see if they'll be the law of the land. Let's see if they'll be the Supreme Court. Verse 17. But the midwives feared God. Oh no. Oh no. These bad people, these bad midwives, they're so disrespectful. They're lawbreakers. They disrespected the law of the land. But the midwives feared God. Verse 17. Uh, 17, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. Oh, they disobeyed the law. Now, you're in the, you need to remember that there's a time to not comply with the law when the law is immoral. There's a time for that. Uh, abortion is legal. Is it still legal? Does it make it right because it's legal? no so in this case the midwives said that's the law and just like daniel who did not bow down to pray to the image in the plain of dura the midwife says no we're going to put god first we're not going to kill baby boys not only that they lied to the government they keep reading <laughs> Verse 17, the midwives feared God, did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And verse 19, And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women were not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives came in unto them. (laughs) Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. So his plan was, his plan failed didn't work the midwives obeyed God instead God blessed them God protected them so it's kind of humorous isn't it but all this is pretty devilish and uh, they feared God verse 21 but the evil continues verse 22 the Pharaoh charged all his people saying every son that is born you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive we'll stop there but you know from these verses, this is his plan to kill off the men, children, and to prevent a future coup or a future joining with another enemy country and then leaving Egypt. He didn't want them to leave Egypt. And so um, the lesson to learn is discern discernment to disobey the law, generally obey the law. Let's say something about that before we finish up this 9.30 uh, session. When do you obey the law? When do you obey the law of the land? You are American citizens. You are subject to the laws of this land. And so when do you obey the law? Well, if you want to drive, get a driver's license. If you want to drive, you have to have insurance. If you want to drive, you have to, you know, pass the road test and all these kind of things. You cannot say, look, I'm an American citizen. I have a right to drive. You cannot drive unless you pass the laws of the land. You have to comply. Yes? you can't just be stubborn all right now when should you disobey the law isn't there a verse in the book of acts where we should obey god rather than men
1: yeah
0: okay there's a time to disobey the law and you're not evil if it's obeying the bible during covid a lot of people didn't have church because the government said so okay okay maybe the health factor was so unknown and it was um, okay the safe thing to do the right thing to do because of the health and consideration of other people and after a while you begin to realize okay if we do some steps and have some procedures we can be in church like that but some people in georgia especially they would not need for church They said until all of the students turned up, whether it be five years or ten years whatever we're not we're not gonna meet in church but the bible does say saying not the assembly of yourselves together. Right. So there was precedent for obeying what the Bible says over what the government says. So the government began to mandate fees and fines, penalties if you disobeyed what they say. And so you, you can see clearly where, for some people say, you know, it's clear to me that God says do this, I'm gonna do this instead. And the face the consequence of people in Canada, Pastor Canada, got jailed because they disobeyed the law. Police came as if they were criminals and arrested them in front of everybody because they were having public services. And so very, very Nazi-like, very, very harsh, very Pharaoh-like, very Pharaoh-like. So I think looking back, you could have, they could have been more amicable or worked together a little bit more peacefully, but uh, you don't want to criticize a Christian for having convictions, especially in something so obvious. Um, Another one would be to marry an unsafe, belief, unsafe person. Be not you know, together with unbelievers. That's really clear. To violate that would be breaking God's word. Therefore, no matter how people feel about it, you don't do something like that to appease someone else. Okay? So it's all simple yet sometimes complicated. All right, Because feelings are involved. But for sure, you've looked at the evil guy if you supposedly are a lawbreaker by perception. you got to be careful you got to be careful all right and uh don't make big decisions unless you get good good counseling spiritual counseling about that because sometimes you can go too far on the side of being spiritual and you're totally wrong and sometimes whatever the government says i do that can be wrong too all right we're going to stop there we'll take a short break and then uh, at about in about 10 minutes uh ladies we're